Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a special post-game edition of Locked On Rockets. I'm your host, Ben DuBose of Sports Talk 790, and I'm bringing this to you early morning hours again on Wednesday with the Rockets coming off a big 116-104 win over the New Orleans Pelicans in China. The Rockets are now 4-0 on the preseason, so if you were worried about them losing this game, going to 3-1, and somehow having a losing preseason, well, you don't have to worry anymore. Big victory. We're not going to have any uh, unfortunate 3-1 jokes on Twitter uh, Rockets officially have a winning preseason now, but it's not just that they're winning, it's how they're winning. They absolutely came out and dominated this game. The final doesn't do it justice because in the fourth quarter, both teams went to garbage time and the Pelicans were able to put up a lot of points. When largely starters played in the first half, Rockets blitzed them 59-34 to at the half. Very strong performance. Now there is an asterisk. After about six minutes, Anthony Davis did sprain his ankle, and when he left, it really got out of hand, as you would expect, because without Anthony Davis, the Rockets are just clearly a better team than the Pelicans. But kudos to the Rockets for taking care of business, not just on the offensive end of the floor, but on defense as well. One of the things that I really liked about this game the Rockets did not have their usual three-point stroke. They shot 10 of 36 as a, as a team, collective 27%, still scored 116 points, and they were still able to win comfortably. And that's because they did the things that they can always control, which is they the effort was good on defense, they cut, they moved without the ball on offense. And when you think of Mike D'Antoni's system, the three-point the three-point angle is often a misnomer. Yes, they shoot a lot of threes, but that's not the identity of Mike D'Antoni's system. Mike D'Antoni's system is built around up-tempo play, constant movement, constant cuts, um, good passing overall team play. Those are things that you can always control regardless of whether the shots are falling or not. On Sunday, the Rockets won 123-117, to largely because they made so many threes, but otherwise there were a few red flags uh, certainly the defense wasn't where you like it to be, and offensively they got sticky sometimes. This was a much more um, complete display of Mike D'Antoni basketball, where you saw the Rockets defensively in terms of their ball movement on offense. Everything was a lot smoother, and this is the kind of effort that I think Mike D'Antoni is going to um, be very proud of when he watches the film of this game. As far as individual standouts... I know he didn't have a great game, but I liked K.J. McDaniels in the starting lineup. I Particularly, I liked the move by Mike D'Antoni to start him ahead of Eric Gordon. One of the problems on Sunday, yes, the collective effort level was a little low defensively, but just from an X's and O's standpoint, neither James Harden nor Eric Gordon is good enough or quick enough to pick up opposing point guards. They're just going to be able to penetrate at will, break down the defense, and that's not anyone's fault. Those are 
both just shooting guards, and they're not going to be able to stay laterally. They're not quick enough. They're a little too big, and even if they could, you're going to wear them out if you're expecting them to stay in front of these, you know, quick probing guys like Tim Frazier of New Orleans. So the way that uh, Houston adjusted, they put Eric Gordon back in his usual six-man role, and they started K.J. McDaniels next to Harden in the backcourt. I think that gave them a lot more athleticism, a lot more versatility. Uh, Long-term, that's not the plan. Long-term, when they get back to Houston, I'm guessing that Pat Beverly is going to be able to resume the team. They are not worried about his sore knee. It's just a you know, training camp nuisance from everything we've heard. But uh, for now, you need a little more uh, length and athleticism defensively. That was one of my main takeaways from Sunday, and kudos to Mike D'Antoni for adjusting quickly. The other thing is that if Gordon is going to be your sixth man this year, there's no reason to um, keep him out of that role for too long. Let him get comfortable in that. And if Beverly's out for whatever reason, then give a look to someone like uh, K.J. McDaniels and see how he plays in the starting backcourt next to James Harden. Um, again, Daniel McDaniels did not have a great shooting game, 2 of 8 from the field, 0 of 1 from 3, but I did think his overall effort was good. Defensively, he had some real positives like he always does, and in 21 minutes, he was plus 10. That's a pretty good showing when you look at overall impact on the game. So even if McDaniels didn't have his usual flashy box score, like on Sunday he had 11 points, 8 rebounds, 2 blocks in 20 minutes, uh, I thought using him defensively was a good fit in this particular matchup. Another thing that I really liked was Kyle Wilcher. Of course, rookie, undrafted, out of Kentucky, played 24 minutes and had 15 points, 6 of 13 shooting, 3 of 7 from 3. We've heard, we've heard all throughout camp that he's been the best shooter on the roster. He's even winning the shooting competitions against the likes of Ryan Anderson. And of course, there's some typical rookie things. Uh, certainly his defense isn't where you would like it to be, and he's a little raw in some respects. But a big man who can shoot the floor like that, that's big time. You can always use that skill set in the NBA, and he has an NBA body too. And the key thing, he played 24 minutes. Sure, you had some guys in the fourth quarter who put up points in, in garbage time. You know, Bobby Brown, for example. You know, I like Bobby. He's a great story, but he's definitely a long shot to make this roster. And he put up most of his 18 points in the fourth quarter against backups. You actually had uh, Cal Wilcher playing some in the second quarter with the Rockets rotation. In fact, at one point, you had... The four starters, Harden, Trevor Ariza, Ryan Anderson, and uh, KJ McDaniels, and Kyle Wilcher. So you were seeing uh, D'Antoni really give um, Kyle Wilcher a serious look at how he plays with regulars, guys that are going to be in the rotation and even starting for a big chunk of the year. And I thought he played pretty well. Now, with that said, it's still an uphill climb for Wilcher to make the roster. I think the obvious preference is to get Donatus Yunus back, and I still think that's the likely scenario. However, I like that D'Antoni is starting to look at plan Bs. That's something I've been hammering home over the past week or so, is that without Yunus, the Rockets don't really have a backup power forward. They've been going small a lot, playing either um, KJ McDaniels or uh, Trevor Ariza there, depending on how you break down the lineup. And that's good in a pinch, but long-term, you need another true power-forward body. And so these two games in China, we've seen Kyle Wilcher play there today. We saw Montrez Harrell get a lot of run, although Harrell also played at center. Um, no matter what, Harrell played pretty well, 11-6 and six in 24 minutes. But you know what? Until, until Monty Yunus actually accepts a contract and gets to camp, it would be a disservice if... Um, 
D'Antoni counted on him. At this point, he's missed over half the preseason. You've got to start building a regular season roster with the bodies you have there. And while they can play small ball, it's nice to see D'Antoni giving a look to some of these other true power forwards to see how they can handle... um, playing against NBA-level competition, and so far, so good. Again, just because of the numbers getting to the final 15, let alone the final 12, it's an uphill battle for Wilcher as an undrafted rookie, but uh, he certainly gave them something to think about. And you know what? Maybe he also gave Donatus Yunus something to think about from the standpoint of Yunus saying, you know, if I don't get in camp, maybe these guys can take my job. Now, I think that's very wishful thinking in a lot of ways, but um, certainly... It was a positive outing for Wiltshire, fairly positive for Harrell as well. So you really like seeing that kind of stuff um, at the power forward position, given the lack of depth that the Rockets have. Um, Other good play from the bench. Really, it was a great game from the bench. They took over this game late in the first quarter, early in the second, had a 21-2 run at, uh, at one point. Sam Decker. I think it's clear that Decker's a long shot to make the rotation at this point. It seems that both Corey Brewer and KJ McDaniels are ahead of him in that wing role off the bench based on their superior ability to defend. And you could really see it Sunday when Decker did not crack the rotation at all. But he got his chance on uh, Wednesday morning, and boy, did he ever take advantage. Um, What, 14 points in 17 minutes on 7 of 9 shooting? Uh, He missed his 1-3, but he was so good at slashing, understands angles really well. Uh, He reminds me a lot of Chandler Parsons and just how well he understands these angles on the court and how to contort his body to uh, get to the rim quickly. It's kind of, uh, you know, I would call it subtle athleticism. Yes, he glides like a gazelle, but it's not just the athleticism. It's that combined with a high IQ that allows him to um, be a force in transition and when he gets a little bit of space. So, again, I think defensively he's a little bit behind the curve relative to Brewer and McDaniels, but it's good to have the depth. We went into um, we went into training camp. One of my lead questions was who out of Brewer, McDaniels, and Decker uh, would step up, assuming that only one could make the rotation. We were hoping somebody would step up. Actually, all three have stepped up to where now I expect both Corey Brewer and McDaniels to be in the rotation. And even Decker, there's not really a spot for him now, but he's obviously going to keep pushing. And as his defense continues to improve throughout the season, really he's a rookie after missing most of his uh, unofficial rookie campaign due to back surgery. Um, there's a lot more depth than the Rockets expected, and that can only be a good thing. And it gives you more options at the power forward spot. Again, not a true power forward body, but until Donatus Yunus gets to camp, the more bodies that you can um, throw out there, the better. So very encouraging day for a lot of guys off the bench. And even though he didn't score, I want to absolutely acknowledge Corey Brewer. In 12 minutes, did not score, but he led the team in plus minus at plus 21. And I don't think that that is a coincidence at all. Corey Brewer has been very good defensively this preseason. And the biggest thing, he's not forcing the issue. In his 12 minutes, well, he was 0 of 1 from the field. Took 1-3. That was the only shot that he took. Otherwise, he he knew his role. He, he played well off the ball, made his cuts, and made defenders honor the space. And defense, he just he went out and uh, he guarded his man. You're not seeing on either end of the court Corey Brewer force the issue the way he did a year ago. He's just going out there defending when he has a shot. He's taking it. When he doesn't, he's not turning the ball over. Um, Yeah, again, no turnovers in those 12 minutes. You're just seeing Corey Brewer that looks a lot more comfortable in his own skin, and it reminds me of how he looked when he got to Houston two years ago. You're not seeing the... um, 
erratic, turnover-prone guy of a year ago who seemed to be constantly taking it upon himself to try and hit home runs and figure out how to get back. He seems a lot more secure in himself this year, and even though he didn't score, it's important to acknowledge that this was another good game for him. Now, as far as things I don't like, really, there's not that many. Uh, Again, I'm admittedly nitpicking, but I don't think James Harden's legs were all there. It's another game where, from an overall standpoint, his big-picture numbers were good. In 24 minutes, Harden had 14 points, 8 assists, and 6 rebounds. However, just as it was on Sunday, it seems like his explosion just isn't really isn't really there. Uh, 0 of 6 from 3, uh, 5 of 5 inside the arc, and 0 of 6 from 3. So when you look at that 5 of 11, there's a pretty huge split there. But a lot of those 6 threes, again, were short. He had 8 assists, but also 5 turnovers. And of the turnovers, I can think of at least 3 that were just silly little um, plays where he had his pocket picked, trying to you know, set up the offense from about 35 feet away from the rim. And those are what I would call tired turnovers. It's not him forcing the issue. It's not a bad decision. It's just something happens when guys look tired. And I'm not going to judge the guy because you know what? Again, this is the second game in China. This one in Beijing. It was at 6.30 a.m. body time. Uh, James was mentally as sharp as you would, uh, as he always is. He, again, eight assists in 24 minutes. He had some great cuts uh, or or great passes on Ariza cuts to the basket for assists. he, he was very engaged. I wouldn't say that, you know, he took the game off. I would just say he looked a little tired. And given uh, given who he is, given the workload on him, given the um, extreme conditions of playing in China when your body thinks it's 6.30 a.m., yes, I'm giving him a little bit of a pass on that. You want to see him get better, but he did not do any of that stuff. The two games in Houston, he was absolutely MVP level. So, any criticism in terms of Harden's three-point shooting and a little bit uh, laggish defense, I, I'm not that worried about it. I would suspect when the Rockets get back home on Saturday evening against Memphis that you'll see the same Harden that we saw uh, the first two games of the preseason in Houston. Finally, we did not see a lot at the center position at all. Clint Capella was held out of the game with a hamstring soreness. Again, it's something minor, just like Beverly's situation. Uh, None of these guys are in jeopardy at all in terms of missing regular season time. Will Capella play on Saturday? We'll see. The Rockets are on their flight back to uh, Houston right now, 15-plus hours. Uh, I don't think we're going to hear anything until they get back to Houston. He'll get checked out. And when they return to practice, I'm guessing Friday, I doubt they uh, practice tomorrow due to all the... uh, extreme time changes. Uh, We'll hear a little bit more about Capella's uh, situation, but it was just described as minor soreness, nothing to worry about. Nene started at center, of course, the way it had been going. Capella started the first half, Nene started the second. Uh, Nene started for Capella in the first half, and then Montrezl Harrell started in the second half. Uh, Main takeaway from that, Nene only played six minutes. I think the Rockets are very, very aware of Nene's minutes, and I think that's a good thing. He's yet to play more than 20 minutes a game in the preseason. Today, he played only six. Generally, he's looked very good. He's shooting, like, what, 70% from the field, almost. He's looked very efficient. He's passing the ball well, but the one thing you have to keep in mind with Nene, he is 34 years old, and he looks this good because he's finally healthy, and if you ask a 34-year-old to play 25-plus minutes, even 30 minutes a game, if 
his play might warrant it, then yes, it might be good for a few games, but ultimately you are asking him to break down. So I think it's a very good sign that the Rockets are aware of his minutes and uh, limiting him accordingly. That's one thing that I think Houston struggled with last year. There was such a sense of desperation when the Rockets got off to that bad start and, of course, were trying to find their 2015 form when they were a two-seed, a Western Conference Finals team. And it seemed a lot of games you'd play James Harden 44 minutes. Um, big picture workload things were not really considered by J.B. Bickerstaff because there was so much desperation just to fight and claw for every win you could get. Now, yes, it's the preseason. These games don't really mean anything. But um, with Nene playing that well, it's at least a little tempting to keep him out there uh, for continuity's sake, but the Rockets are keeping an eye on the bigger picture, limiting his minutes. That makes me happy. Uh, only negative with the center position, I would love, love if Capella could get some preseason run uh, in these last three games. We'll see if his hamstring allows it. But um, as I said last night on our show with Chris Axman, Capella's free throw shooting worries me a little bit. Big picture, the Rockets say they aren't worried about it because, you know, his form's good. When he went to the D-League two years ago, he shot 60%. You know, this is not a Dwight Howard case where his form is ugly and you're looking at 10 years of data of him being a subpar free throw shooter. But you know what? He's 35% his career NBA free throw percentage, 37% last year. And now he's 0 of 8 in the preseason. Yeah, these games don't count, but when you look at a guy like Capella that's clearly uh, has the form and has made free throws at other levels, from not to at the NBA, that tells you that it's something uh, in his head a little bit. He's in a bit of a mental funk, and this isn't abnormal. He's young. He can work through it, but I would like to see him work through it before the regular season gets here. I'd like to see him make a few free throws and uh, get a little bit of a confidence boost because if he goes into the regular season you know, coming off 37% from the line last year and 0% in the free season, I do think that's going to be in his head a little bit, and that is going to force the Rockets' hand at times, especially late in close games, because when you have a team that has to score points, which Mike D'Antoni's uh, system needs you to do, then um, the temptation for other teams to foul a guy who's likely to make 0 of 2 at the line at at most 1, giving you 1 point per possession, um, that's going to be pretty tempting for opponents. So again, the Rockets are not worried about it. They believe in Clint at the free throw line. They think long-term he is going to be a 55 to 60% shooter at a minimum. They think that he can work through this, but you hope that uh, the preseason is the time for issues like that to be worked through. So while I'm not worried about the hamstring injury per se, I do hope that if not by Saturday, at least by next week, Rockets get a little bit of a break after Saturday's game, home against the Grizzlies. They don't play again until Wednesday and Friday in uh, Dallas and San Antonio. So maybe by those last two, Capella can get some run, even if Saturday's a little quick for a hamstring strain. But uh, I'm not worried about the hamstring, but I would like to see Capella get out there and maybe get a little bit more confidence at the free throw line as we get closer to the regular season. But really, that's about the only negative I had. Or On the whole, this was a very encouraging performance, even though the Rockets didn't make threes. 10 of 36, just 27%. They dominated this game. That's because they played good defense, held the Pelicans to just 35, uh, 34 points in the first half. Um, offensively, the movement without the ball was exquisite. I mentioned it earlier, but especially with the starters, there were so many back cuts, so much activity. Uh, Ariza had nine points on three of seven, and I 
And his two field goals that were not threes were just beautiful cuts in which James Harden spotted him. And that's the kind of stuff that you did not see last year. The Rockets were a team, yeah, they're going to shoot a lot of threes again. But you could tell last year the Rockets' identity was shooting the three. They were working for that three, aside from James Harden and Dwight Howard. Your other role players, their identity was just sitting behind that line, trying to get an opening, and it did make the offense predictable. Now, yes, they will take the three if it's there, and it's important to uh, have the ability to shoot the three for Mike D'Antoni's offense to have the spacing that it needs to thrive. However, that is not truly the identity. The identity is in the up-tempo play, in the movement away from the ball. And so to see someone who had become just a basically a three-point bomber in Ariza doing so well away from the ball, that makes me feel very happy with where this offense is going. And that's what I said right when Mike D'Antoni was hired. Even though he's an offensive-minded coach, it is a big change for the Rockets because he has a clear system. This is not just a you know, a player's coach, which is what the Rockets have had for years and falling back on old habits. This is a very defined, structured system in which you're going to see a lot more motion away from the ball, a lot more passing, and so far, even the guys who historically, like Ariza, have been, uh, you know, just three-point marksmen in Houston, they are buying in, and that's a very good sign for what the Rockets might be able to do long-term over uh, under Mike D'Antoni. So with that said, I'm going to wrap up this post-game edition of Locked on Rockets. Again, I'm Ben DuBose of Sports Talk 790. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben DuBose. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Rockets, and you can always email the show on um, Gmail at LockedOnRockets at gmail.com. Again, we've had a lot of good podcasts this week. Two games in China. uh, Post-game recap from Sunday's game. This is the post-game recap from Wednesday's game. In between, we had a couple of good podcasts. One reviewing uh, the new Sergio Yule rumors. The Spanish League star potentially heading to the Rockets next summer. Also had a uh, breakdown on KJ McDaniels and an overall Houston season preview with Chris Axman. uh, Great follow on Twitter at Almighty Ballin. Did that last night. So if you haven't heard those shows, you can go back in in our archives wherever you listen to our show. Uh, Audio Boom is our official home, but we're also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. It's pretty easy to find us. Just search for Locked on Texans, uh, or search for Locked on Rockets, I should say, and you'll find our show. Uh, Next on my list, I was going to throw a plug to Locked on Texans. That's our sister show on the Locked on Podcast Network. They're doing a lot of good things this week as the Texans get prepared for uh, their big Sunday night spotlight game against the Indianapolis Colts, first place in the division on the line. Uh, Aaron Goldson of the Houston Chronicle, Robert Land of Houston Sports Talk. They host Locked on Texans. They do a great job of um, similarly informative podcast, I would say. So before leaving, I did want to tell you guys to check out Locked on Texans as well. So on that happy note, I will sign off again. Rockets 116, Pelicans 104. That's the final Wednesday from China. Now the Rockets are on the marathon flight back from Beijing to Houston, and they'll be back at practice later in the week. Resume play Saturday night at Toyota Center against the Memphis Grizzlies, and I will be back with you guys with more locks on Rockets when the team gets back to Houston. For now, enjoy the win. Enjoy the rest of your day. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.